It may be laid down as a primary position and the basis of our system that every citizen who enjoys the protection of a free government owes not only a proportion of his property, but even of his personal services to the defense of it. The words of General George Washington, and this is the Guardians of the Republic. Hello, I'm Patrick Murray from the Monmouth University Poll, and my co-host is Ian Kahn from the TV series Turn, Washington Spies. On this episode of the podcast, we'll ask whether Robert Mueller's appearance before Congress helped or hurt efforts to guard the Republic, and we'll take a look at how the different players performed in those hearings. We'll also preview this week's presidential debates in our Hot Takes segment and name our Guardian of the Week. But first, Patrick, what's new on the polling front? Well, we just released a poll at Monmouth on the South Carolina primary that shows Joe Biden holding a very strong lead there. He's got 39% overall, but what's more important is the majority of voters in the South Carolina Democratic primary are going to be African-American, and he's got a 51% support level there. Um, And that's coming despite attacks on his positions on race from both uh, Kamala Harris and Cory Booker, uh, the two African-American candidates, you know, in that race. I think uh, the big thing that that we're seeing there is that black voters in South Carolina tend to be significantly more moderate than white voters in the Democratic primary. Uh, They are not looking for somebody who's going to give them the moon and the stars. They don't, they're not looking for the Green New Deal or Medicare for all, or even reparations. Uh, They are looking for somebody who understands what it takes to govern and uh, can deliver on some reasonable promises. Uh, So the attacks on race just don't seem to be hurting Joe Biden with that group. But also, you know, it's so early, right? I mean, if we look back to 2008, the last time we were in a situation that was somewhat similar to this one, where you had Hillary Clinton, who was the choice of African-Americans because of Hillary Clinton and also because of her relationship. It was a relationship. uh, It was was a lead by relationship. You know, Hillary was with... Uh, was with her husband and, and had that relationship there. And now Joe Biden has that obvious relationship with President Obama. But again, it's so early that to me, it's it, it becomes very clear that if Kamala Harris, more particularly Harris to me than Booker, but if Harris were to do really well in Iowa, the way that Obama did really well in 2008, yeah. it does open the door to the idea that you could have another African-American president or a president of color, which then might inspire people to get on board in a bigger way you know i mean does that is that does that seem like that's the path that it might go right i think one of the things that you have to like tease apart with how kamala harris kind of surged after that first debate it wasn't because she attacked joe biden on his positions about race in the 1970s on busing uh, it was it was because she was saying joe biden you don't understand that times have changed and i do and I can prosecute the case against Donald Trump. See, that's and, what I thought it was more right. that was more exciting for the Democratic base. It wasn't it was an attack on Biden, but it was sort of a sign. It was like a boxing match. Right. Yeah. And it was like, this is how I punch older men of power. And I am happy to stand in that ring right. and swing with both of my arms. I felt that that was the that was the key thing that, that she was showing that got excitement going. In the yeah, that, that's why she base. that's why she bumped up. It was it was not yeah. because of the content of, of what she was saying, but that Joe no, Biden is not is not. Well, anyway, we've talked no, about this. No, He's not think, woke enough. 
It's it's right. that no the, the the issue was that Biden's going to lose points because he was in that ring. I mean it was it was yeah. one of those moments like like Trump had in twenty in twenty sixteen where he would just go one on one against somebody and one of them was going to win. Typically Trump won. Well here was a situation where you really had two people going at it and you know Kamala won that battle to the point that what happens this coming week is going to be very yeah. key I think for Biden. Right. Um, I think that's what it comes down to. And you mentioned 2008. And one of the things that we have to remember is, as you said, you know, it was when Barack Obama started doing well. And we saw it in the polls before he got to Iowa. But once he, once he did the, had that performance in, in the Iowa caucuses, that's what African-American voters were looking for. Oh, this guy can win. So he didn't, yeah. win, he didn't win them over because he attacked Hillary Clinton for not being, having the right positions on race. He won, her <laughs> over because he won them over because it's, here's somebody who can actually win. Who can actually, and, and that was more historic. I mean, if we're being clear, the, the fact that he was going to be the first right. president of color that the nation has ever seen. I mean, that's something you really get behind. It will be interesting to see if Harris still has has some of that novelty as well. Not to say that, it, not to call President Obama and his campaign novelty. It wasn't at all. I thought it was, in 2008, a very well-run campaign to get to the position that he was in. But he, I, I don't know necessarily that Kamala's going to have the same level of uh, of jump that Obama did. I, I don't right. think it'll be quite as much of a jump. But right now, you know, it, Joe Biden is clearly in the catbird seat as far as uh, the African-American vote is concerned. Uh, but we'll talk more about that and, and the Democratic primary and the upcoming debates in our hot take segment at the end of the show. Uh, but I looked around for some polling reaction to the Mueller hearing, and it's a little too yes, soon sir. to have some quality reaction polls. There's, there's one I'll, I'll mention. But I did find a poll the day before he testified that I think helps put kind of everything in context. And this is from the Pew Research Center, which as I mentioned before, and I'll mention again, they're, they're really just top notch in terms of measuring these kinds of attitudes. And they asked, are you confident that uh, Robert Mueller conducted a fair investigation into Russian involvement in the 2016 election? And what I wanna point out here is the Republican uh, response to that. Now they've asked this question for quite some time. And prior responses, it was somewhere between 33% and 46% of Republicans said, yeah, the, the investigation was fair. In the poll that they did just before Mueller appeared uh, last week in front, of the, in front of Congress, that number went up to 60%. So, you know, it was over <laughs> about a 20-point ju- jump on average uh, that said <laughs> right. that they were confident. Right. And, and for Democrats, if we just want to make the comparison, there's really not been any change. It's hovered between 70, 68 percent and 76 percent since they've been asking this question over the last year and a half. Uh, so you got to th- think, why? Why did that number jump up for Republicans uh, right before this hearing? I, I, can I can I throw in my my two yeah, cents sure, go, on that? It's because it because over the course of this period of time, since Barr came out and said that you know he's completely exonerated, to, to to the Republican side, I think to a large group of them, they're like, oh great, yeah, that that worked out well and, and perfectly fair because he's been totally exonerated. I think right. that that accounts right. for I that. Think, yeah, if you're Republicans, if you're Republicans <laughs> watching Republican media, right, you've been hearing yeah. the drumbeat that the Mueller's report exonerated the president. Mueller's report exonerated the president. So while this was going on, you were worried. While the report, excuse me, while the probe was going on. You were worried that what was Mueller sure. going to do to the president. Then after the report came out, you heard from the media, oh, the report exonerated him. And then so that's why I think 60 percent yeah, jumped up and said, yeah, it's fair. It's fair. Whereas the Democratic media is that from day one, it was Mueller's going to um, turn up uh, 
collusion or obstruction or is, there's going to be evidence there. And then the report comes out and all the, the left-leaning media says, yes, that evidence is in there. That evidence is in there. Uh, so that's why their numbers didn't yeah. change. Well, and the spin, the spin was so very successful by, um, by Barr. I mean, he really did a fantastic job of protecting his client, his president, um, in, in coming out and speaking about it and saying, you know, we, we, we've read everything and there's no sign of collusion. And, there, and he is exonerated, essentially, is what he said. Right. And, you know, it's loudest and first. And he was loudest and he was first. Since Mueller appeared last week, there has been a, a, at least one poll that I, I took a look at that did ask questions that were related to the same thing. And they found that mm-hmm. probably the opinion didn't change all that much. So the first question they asked was President Trump exonerated by the report. And they explained what exonerated mean. He didn't commit a crime. And 58% of Republicans said yes. So this was after we have Robert Mueller on national TV saying, no, the report did not exonerate him. So that's, that's the one part. Then the other question they asked, did, did Donald Trump try to impede or obstruct the probe? And while 80% of Democrats say yes and 47% of independents say yes, only 11% of Republicans say yes, even though— That's impressive. Even though Mueller said specifically, yes, yes, he did obstruct it. We can't indict him for anything, but he did, you know, impede. There's clear evidence that he did that. In fact, there's clear evidence for all of us. I mean, you know, he did this publicly. This is not something that he hid when he did it. But no, but that no, the, so, the tribalism, okay, so, they're still living, you know, Republicans, even despite having it said in black and white, um, said, no, no, well, it was said first in black and white. Now it was, this yeah. was set in color. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this was set in color. The only problem that we have, I mean, that number is remarkable. 11% of Republicans believe that Trump tried to impede or obstruct the probe. We're living in a different world. We're living with different facts. That that is that is a clear sign right there. I mean, we see it. We see signs all the time. But eighty percent of Democrats versus, uh, believe that he tried to impede and obstruct the probe. Seventy-five percent of Republicans say no. I mean, right there, we're we're looking at the absolute divide in the country, and it helps to understand how there can be such wide, different feelings about the president and about our path right now. So one big question is where, whether the Mueller hearings last week did change any of these opinions on, in, in any wider way. And it looks right there like, right. like it didn't. Right. At least you know, the indication is that, that everybody's kind of digging down. And we talked about what we thought was going to happen right bef- before the Mueller hearing. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of it did play out. Uh, the Republicans grandstanded and just said, you know, the report exonerates him. But I didn't find the, the Demo- I didn't find the Democrats grandstanding. Not in the same in, way in, the Republicans you know, we, we did. Said that. No. But in a way that they the, wanted they to didn't. make a case. They, they they wanted to make this case for impeachment, which I which I thought was interesting. But that case for that case that they were making for impeachment um, was was a fair case to be made, and that's one thing that we can get into really briefly. Uh, we are seeing more of a trend where more people are talking about impeachment. We've discussed it before, and you've talked about the polling and, and how Nancy Pelosi is being wise in her choices. Why don't you back that up just right now and give us a, a general idea of where you think we stand with that? Yeah, I still think that if you're looking at the long game, impeachment doesn't help mm-hmm. you in the mission of guarding the republic. And that is that there will be impeachment hearings, uh, there will be testimony and so forth, and then the House will have to decide whether to, uh, to pass articles of impeachment and send them to the Senate for a trial. 
Uh, we know yes. absolutely that a Senate trial will end uh, in an acquittal because you won't get the 60 votes that you need. We do not know absolute. Wait a minute. No, you do not. You're going to get. You're going to get 60 votes. You're going to get 60 votes out of the Senate. Wait a minute. You cannot say that absolutely right. you are sure. You can't say that. That's that's not. Right. We have actual evidence from 1974 where we thought there's really no chance that President Nixon was going to be impeached. The Republic, there was there was no way that you were going to get 60 votes. And the tides changed with further information being out there. Right. Am it's one, once they got we, once they got hold of the tapes, that okay. new new information well, came out. So we're we're in a we're in a we're in a situation here where we've been getting new information all along, and it doesn't change opinion. And Republicans, no, it does not change. Republicans opinion. keep to, to keep uh, battening it down. This is so. This is what I'm worried about. If in terms of the constitutional processes that we're trying to get back on track here is that you're giving an excuse for people to con- continue to dig down into their tribes and not look Understood. at new evidence. That's, that's what I'm worried about. Understood. But no, here, here's what I'm worried about. In 2019, right now, in July of 2019, you have for the only time perhaps during the presidency of this president, if President Trump, let's imagine, is reelected in 2020, is able to hold the Senate and, and also able to get the House back, this will be the only moment where you can, as a Democrat on the Democratic side, speak out about the challenges and the dangers of what's happening to the republic now. That's why I think even if we don't go so far, when the as the nation and, and the House doesn't go so far as to send it to the Senate, but just go through the impeachment process and then decide at the end, you know what, we actually don't have enough here that we want to send it to the Senate. It still brings out things that Barr would not be able to block. Don McGahn is sitting there under oath and has to speak out for it. You're going to get new news. You're going to have a a new version of the tapes. Now, one could argue that we just did that with Robert Mueller. It wasn't effective enough to move the bar, so to speak, right? However, the, the crimes that are being described in that report are so egregious that it needs further exploration. And there are so many different reasons, the emolument clause. There are so many different things where the president is playing outside of the, uh, he's not playing nice in the sad box, folks. So, you know, if it, this is the only opportunity you're going to have, perhaps, to speak out about that. And if, let's say we don't, and, and President, uh, the Speaker of the House, Pelosi, says it is not a wise political choice, fine. When the Republic does fall, if the Republic were to fall, we will point back to this time right here where okay. so many Democrats were asking for that and, and we'll say that was their shot. Uh, this, is, this is why I worry about this in terms of what the, what the long-term consequences are going to be. Is If this is just a probe about uh, Donald Trump uh, obstructing justice in this one case, uh, he was trying to block the Mueller probe, then that's all it will all be about. If, on the other hand, you can broaden this to say, well, let's look at the underlying issues that that Mueller brought up. Why were you investigating this? You're investigating Russian interference. And this is just one piece of it. Yes, sir. But here's the problem with that and the the practical problem. So you saw that the day after the Mueller hearing is that the Senate Intelligence Committee released a heavily redacted report on Russian interference which yes, basically said the mm-hmm. Russians tried to interfere in the electoral processes and systems of all 50 states. 
that's the kind of investigation that we need to do. But of course, what's happening is that the Trump administration is coming in and saying, well, for uh, security reasons, you have to redact all this information, which of course doesn't help us in understanding, well, what's the level of threat are we under? If they can use the hearings to do that, Something that we can can this can, is can rally around where, there, where, there, where there's a common enemy. That, that's what I'm I'm worried about because that the folks that are really banging the drum for impeachment right now are just focusing on Trump's behavior. They don't need to do that. Trump's behavior okay. well, and his and, and, on, and the obstruction. If they you, should focus on Trump's behavior, not just the obstruction, but the under, as you're saying, the underlying facts. The I underlying mean, his personal behavior, his personal, have. his personal his behavior, personal that, behavior that, that is problematic and we all know why it's problematic problematic but problematic is not sufficient <laughs> right. it's not sufficient but the, but the mean, point you is if you if you just go down that road and that's the road trump wants you to go down by the way but this i is, don't this is why he's trump that, may not be right about that right but he, he, want, right he wants you to go that. down that way because he, he, you're talking about the issue on the terms that he wants you to talk about talk about race talk about the fact that he's racist that's what he wants you to do because that'll keep his tribe in line if you pull away from that this that stuff and you focus more on wait this administration is just letting the russians run roughshod over ele- the, our electoral the system the poll that i've been talking to you that i would like to see is if we are absolutely clear and sure amongst the republicans democrats and independents that the russians are indeed affecting our elections and doing it in, in with with actual warfare what percentage of americans would be against that that's the poll that i really want to see because we know that that's the fact but have we ever asked them as a as a question like if russia is interfering with our elections and changing results yes well i mean we do that's know what, that's what the impeachment should be about that's yeah. what it should be about we do know that not everybody believes that there was russian interference i asked uh, a poll uh, back in may and we found that uh, 62% of independents 90% of democrats and 56% of republicans believe that the russians tried to interfere in 2016 even though that's there's no question about it they actually did i asked well, it again about 20 very high number I asked it about 2018, too, and it was 40% of Republicans uh, versus 74% of Democrats who believe that the Russians tried to interfere in 2018. And while we have no um, evidence that has been shared with us that that's the case, uh, that that seems to be extremely likely at this point. But in terms of 2016, there's, there's no question that they tried to do it. But here, this is the question that you asked. So if we knew, right, you want you want a poll that says if we knew for sure that Russia interfered, which we do. Would would uh, you band together? Well, I haven't asked that question, but we have asked it a different way, which is, is the U.S. government doing enough to stop Russian interference? And so in Monmouth's May poll, uh, 47% of Republicans said it was doing enough versus 33% who said it was not doing enough. So it's, it's more that saying it's doing enough, but it's still not a majority. But then, if you look at the yeah, Pew but, po- but, but the, uh, this is what I want to point continue. out about why, the, why this is, this is why man. this is difficult to do. This is, is the Pew asked the same the Pew poll asked the same question, but actually said, "Are you confident that the Trump administration is making a serious effort?" And there, eighty one percent of Republicans say yes, versus forty seven percent in my poll when I didn't name Trump. And this is w- what Trump wants. As long as you make the probe about Trump then he's going to maintain, retain his level of support. Mm. He's, going, he's going to keep those mm. people around him. 
if you can take Trump out of it somehow and say that, that Trump is just a, a byproduct, we're, all, we're under attack from the Russians, and somehow pull Trump away from that and then say the U.S. government is not doing enough, you may have more leeway there. Got that's, it. That's so, what I'm, I mean, that's if, what I'm if, worried about with if, a, an if impeachment If we can here, establish Karen. the fact, if, we can est- if, if the fact can be established that Russia is indeed affecting our elections, attempting to affect our, our elections, and leave Trump out of it, <laughs> and don't say the guy's name, that then Republicans will have more of an open heart to the idea of it. Yes. But if you throw Trump in there, when Trump is in there, they're hard, you know, going back to Pharaoh and he has hardened his heart, right? right. The Republican backers will harden their heart against anything. So so maybe what's what's called for is an investigation. But how do you do that without making it about Trump if it's an impeachment question? Well, one of the things that we've learned is that uh, the Trump people don't care about uh, the uh, the Trump supporters don't care about the people around Trump. So the Mataforts and uh, Carter Page, Michael Flynn, they don't care about them. So if you can find folks to be start throwing under the bus on this, that might be a way to get in, in, into the well, investigation. Well, you know, the person who might be right under that bus right now is Mitch McConnell. Uh, he has he sort of set himself up in a bad spot, and there's an organization called Issue One, which is led by Nick Pennyman, uh, who has been pushing all of these bills about election protection that were on, and he has Republican support for it. He certainly has support for it in the House, it seems, and it seems like he has some Republican support as well. But Mitch McConnell will not bring the bill, even though it is a direct battle. It's it's there to stop the bleeding from the election interference from Russia. And Mitch McConnell is choosing not to do that. And I think Joe Scarborough last week on Morning Joe, just the next day, started calling him Moscow Mitch. And mm-hmm. I saw Dan Rather say, political nicknames don't often hold up, but I have a feeling that Moscow Mitch is going to stick. And with Amy McGrath coming in, you know, this is election season for Mr. McConnell. Uh, it, it does open the possibility of, of sort of concentrating that, that light on what's happening in the government, so the, the, and and the interference with the Russians, so the, there is a possibility if you, as you say, don't go right. directly at it. It's like you've got to you've got to do surgery, but you can't do surgery on on the the disease part. You got to go around it because if you try to do surgery on the disease part, the whole organism will die. Right. So uh, it, so, so don't go after something tr- interesting there. Don't go after Trump as being in the pocket of Putin. Go after McConnell as being in the pocket of Putin. I think that makes a lot of sense strategically. If you if you want to yeah. get at this, um, because you know uh, McConnell, does, there's, the, there's look, not a lot of effect. Guardians, and, and there's a question: the guardian, why the why the heck? I mean, we know why is he holding this up? You know, either a he mm-hmm. thinks that there hasn't been Russian interference, and therefore there's I no don't need for that. this, right? And so, no, there's no way you can believe that. Uh, uh, two is that he is in the pocket of the Russians. In some yeah, way, shape, I or form, that's, and I don't. I, I think that's, that's a, small potatoes. I don't. Very, think that's I think it's very unlikely, right? It's very unlikely. So it's just, it's just. Well, what's been I know, Mitch McConnell I, been I all about? Is, Go ahead. Yeah, I think I have a theory as to what this is about. If you were playing a baseball game and the umpire was calling balls and strikes and helping your team in the process of calling balls and strikes, and you could say, "Hey, uh, Mr. Umpire, you're really calling this game wrong because that pitch was really outside, and you called it a strike, and that helped our team." Please stop doing that. 
I think that's essentially what's going on with Mitch McConnell. The opportunity, the Russians are fighting on behalf of President Trump and the Republican Party. The challenge is, what happens when the rest of the world decides, well, this is open season now, and the NATO members, who are more interested in making sure that NATO stays stays together, decides that they want to start helping the Democrats. And then all of a sudden, it's a, it's a worldwide crash yeah. <laughs> on what's happening in our nation. And that's, I think Robert Mueller discussed that, and, and something, but I, I think it has to do with power. And it, it's not necessarily that he needs more money. I mean, how no. much money does the man need? It's about owning the power. All right, but let's turn back to the Mueller hearing itself and Robert Mueller's performance. But you were actually paying more attention to how the committee members did in making their case. So what about it stood out for you? Okay, so it was a fascinating seven hours, uh, and I, I actually enjoyed it thoroughly. Um, it was, Mueller, you're right. I mean, he did get some bad uh, reviews for his performance, but that really depends on what you were hoping that performance was going to look like. Uh, for Robert Mueller, he was really pretty clear that this was the kind of performance you were going to get. So if that's the kind of performance you're going to get, how can you be, as a committee member, most effective in working with the performer who's on stage with you, right? So the the person, first we have Jerry Nadler, who was, was very strong and very clipped and really understood that he was going to get yes or no answers and led Mueller in that direction. And what about total exoneration? Did you actually totally exonerate the president? No. Now, in fact, your reports expressly states that it does not exonerate the president. It does. And your investigation actually found, quote, multiple acts by the president that were capable of exerting undue influence over law enforcement investigations, including the Russian interference and obstruction investigations. Is that correct? Correct. In fact, you were talking about incidents, quote, in which the president sought to use his official power outside of usual channels, unquote, to exert undue influence over your investigations. Is that right? That's correct. But under DOJ, under Department of Justice policy, the president could be prosecuted for obstruction of justice crimes after he leaves office, is correct? True. See that? He just kept sort of pounding Mueller mm-hmm. with questions that led him to give answers that were going to be very, very clear, actually very strong sound bites. Is he guilty? Did you exonerate him? No. Did you, uh, was there reason to charge him in some way with obstruction? Yes. After he leaves office, could he be put on trial. Yes, that's it. In a way, if the Democrats had just continued to go down that line over the course of the day, it would have been just like body blow, body blow, body blow. It was incredibly effective. Now, another Democrat who I really found effective. Yeah, although I say I would say one of the problems with that is the going back and forth between the Democrats and the Republicans, right? Because then the Republicans were able to take uh, Mueller out of it. And kind of break up the flow of what the Democrats were trying to do. Yeah, but the flow, if, if, but here, here, we're going to go to an example now of Ted Deutsch, the Democratic House member from Florida, who had his five minutes and had his own darn flow going. Director Mueller, you found evidence, as you lay out in your report, that the president wanted to fire you because you were investigating him for obstruction of justice, isn't that correct? That's what it says in the report, yes. And I go, I stand by in the report. Dr. Mueller, that shouldn't happen in America. No president should be able to escape investigation by abusing his power. But that's what you testified to in your report. 
The president ordered you fired. The White House counsel knew it was wrong. The president knew it was wrong. In your report, it says there's also evidence the president knew he should not have made those calls to McGahn. But the president did it anyway. He did it anyway. That's actually marvelous because even listening to it, when you watch it and you watch his face and you Mm -hmm. watch the the storytelling that he was providing, he was providing the poetry to then give Robert Mueller the chance to just throw some prose in. What did you see with Deutsch? There was this look on his face that he was in a zone and that he was, you know, that he was at the top of his game in delivering this, this, uh, this point that he, you know, that, that, that he was winning. Or at least he felt he knew he had that point. Absolutely. And he was. He was. It was an absolutely winning point because he was spinning a narrative, telling a story is what we talk about with presidential candidates all the time. Who is able to get their message across about the overall story? And he was saying that is unacceptable. That this is is this exactly what happened? I believe that this is what happened. Mueller. Yes. And yes, it is exactly what happened, as it says in the report. And that, sir, is unacceptable for where we are. Very, very effective and and very strong. I think of all of many of the Democrats that we saw, he was one who was ready to tell. As you said, he's ready to tell a story uh, and uh, to to convey some sort of narrative uh, that was less of the staccato. Let's answer the questions, get the facts mm-hmm. on that that Nadler did, uh, and more more in that that tone of I'm trying to win the but hearts both- and minds. Yes, but both effective. But if you're up there and you have those five minutes, that's really your responsibility. You're either just trying to get those facts out, as Nadler did, as Adam shifted, or you're trying to spin a story and spin a tale. Now, here's an example of a Republican uh, congressperson, Ken Buck, who tried to spin a tale and got himself caught. Could you charge the president with a crime after he left office? Yes. You believe that he committed, you could charge the President of the United States with obstruction of justice after he left office? Yes. Uh, ethically, under the ethical standards? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm not certain because I haven't looked at the ethical standards, but the OLC opinion, opinion says that uh, the prosecutor, while he cannot bring a charge against a sitting president, nonetheless, he can t- continue the investigation to see if there are any uh, other uh, persons who might be drawn into the conspiracy. That was, that was the best. That was, I, li- I, I like how, he, was I like how he started. I like how he started asking, so you think he committed? I mean, I think you think he could be charged uh, <laughs> hypothetically. <laughs> and then he's like, and, and also the way Mueller hopped in with, yes, yes. yes. I mean, it was, his, it was his sharpest moment of the whole time. In the hearings. I mean, he, yes, absolutely. That answer, it was the, one of the few times over the course of the day where he didn't take a one to respond, right? He was just dead on it. And it took Buck so off guard that he, he was like, wait, 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 you're saying that he could be charged out of, yes. And oh, oh, oh. So like I said, there was a, there was an opportunity. He was trying to spin a tail and it, it, it didn't really, uh, it didn't really land. Yeah. But there was a, there's another Republican that caught my eye and ear. Uh, because there was no question that he was trying to perform and, and get across a narrative in his performance. And this is uh, Louis Gohmert from uh, Texas. And if somebody knows they did not conspire with anybody from Russia to affect the election, and they see the big Justice Department with people that hate that person coming after them, and then a special counsel appointed who hires dozen or more people that hate that person and he knows he's innocent he's not corruptly acting 
in order to see that justice is done. What he's doing is not obstructing justice. He is pursuing justice. And the fact that you Gentlemen's ran it out it. two years means Gentlemen's you perpetuated injustice. I take Gentlemen's your, I take your Gentlemen's question. Gentlemen's time has expired. The witness may answer the question. I take your question. What can he respond to that? <laughs> no, the best. I mean, you just pulled two of Mueller's best moments. I take your question. I take your question. I mean, that's an old pro who's like just living in it right but there. But what about I mean, he, he I mean, said, what about Gomert's uh, performance there? I mean, there, he was clearly well, putting on a show. Like, so yeah. he's raising his voice. Yeah. He's yelling. He's, uh, you know, basically, you're wrong. Donald Trump was not trying to pervert justice. He was actually upholding justice. We can see, and you can always see, that that kind of level of, um, of volume, it can be effective, but very rarely. And it has to be used very smartly, uh, because otherwise it comes off sounding like it did, which is that you're sort of protecting a lie, was what it sounded like. It actually sounded like he was, he was guilty while he was doing it. He was trying to sound like he was you know, loud and proud and against it, but he didn't have the goods behind him. And you know, if he had brought that same... I, those same ideas with a little bit more clarity, he might have gotten further with it. But as it was, it was it was it was part of what. Look, if Deutsch had come out and said it is unacceptable what the president has done, right. he would not he would not be on this list. But maybe Gomert wasn't looking for a large audience. Maybe he was the preacher in the revival tent, just trying to keep his followers there on the boil. Yeah. And maybe, if you if you if you judge it from that perspective, well, maybe he was successful. Well, maybe he was successful, but it, he it, it did not play well on video. It does not play well as you play it here. Uh, it does not feel in control. Yeah, so the Democrats on the committees seem to have the best performance strengths overall, which is possibly why they are winning over some converts to these calls for impeachment hearings from uh, members yeah, of Congress perhaps. who are in somewhat more competitive seats. Uh, than they yeah, had and before that, and, and and because remember the 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 immediate uh, hot take from the media after the the hearings on Wednesday was a uh, Mueller, uh, Mueller didn't help the impeachment cause at all. In fact, he he heard it, and that doesn't seem to be the case. And maybe the argument is what you're making is that it really wasn't Mueller's performance that was important; it was the Democrats on the committees that was important. Okay, now it's time for our hot take segment where we have 90 seconds to discuss a bunch of different topics. So when you hear this drum. It's time to wrap it up. So for this week's hot takes, we're going to preview the presidential debates. First up, Patrick, who has the most to lose this time? I think it's got to be Joe Biden. Do you do you agree with me on this? I before, do. I do. Yeah, before we even go on, let's, let's say it's Joe Biden. And it's because he's got the target on his back, right? So he, he continues yep. to be the front runner, but he had a faulty debate performance in the, in the first debate, right? Uh, he did yes, not perform to up the standard. Uh, he got uh, he, he got tagged by Kamala Harris. The key there, and we've, we talked about it earlier in the show, was that he did not show that he was up for the fight, that he understood the changing times, he understood what the battle was going to be with Donald Trump. And I think he needs to do more of that in this one. He needs to fight Donald Trump, and because he to fight all of the other candidates would be a mistake for him. But uh, when 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 Joe Biden says my time is up, it means that that's sort of like uh, Roberto Duran to go back to the early '80s yeah. fighting Sugar Ray Leonard and said no mas, no mas, I'm done. 
And he that is not the energy right. Joe Biden can afford to have on this night. I mean, he's got to come in ready to go. He has to be at his highest energy spot. One right. of the questions that everyone has to have about Joe Biden is whether, you know, just if age has gotten to him, you know, I mean, right. was he ever going to be a proper presidential candidate? Perhaps, yes. But has age caught up to him to the point where he's not be, being able to perform almost in a way, sorry to say, similar to Robert Mueller on that debate, on that, at, the, at those conferences? So, you know, is Biden going to be able to step forward and be his absolute best self? You got you to hope that he does if you're a Biden fan. Well, talking about Biden, he's obviously he's going to be flanked on the stage with Kamala Harris to one side of him, Cory Booker to the other side. And they're going to be fireworks, right? Well, maybe. And if the fireworks are going to happen, I would anticipate that it's not going to be again Kamala going after Biden. I actually don't think that that's going to serve her well. She's already won that battle. She doesn't need to fight that battle again. Or at least I not go after him in the same way. I mean, she might. No, can't. Yeah, not not on the same issue, not right. on busing. Because that's and, what Cory not, Booker's going to do, supposedly. Yes, Booker will do that. Because well, he's been, that's we've what, been seeing this leading up over the past two weeks. I mean, now we've been seeing the stories in, in the uh, on the press about, you know, Cory Booker, no more Mr. Nice Guy, that he's changing it. And he's got to be careful because it could undermine his brand. Yes, he can. But the point not is... Not only will it undermine his... He also can't raise his voice because that does not play well for Cory Booker. He yes. just doesn't know how to do it. Right. And the thing is, though, is if, if it's about an issue about who's got the better policies on on race during their entire history of uh, of their public service then that it becomes an that becomes a, an argument that very few people that booker needs to convince to come away from biden will do i mean this is what we talked about you know it doesn't matter what whether biden supported uh the the 94 um uh crime bill uh that cracked down on uh on, on drugs and so forth uh because there were a lot of african-american legislators who were supporting that at the time too uh, so, you know, times change. And I think that's all Biden needs to be able to do is understand, yeah, hey, I've been around a long time and I understand that times change and I can change with those times. <laughs> that's right. Um, I, I, and I'm and let, let, let Harris and Booker fight it out. Biden's going to take a shot at Harris. Biden has to take a shot at Harris and has to show, listen, I can take a punch and now here, here's one for you. Can you take that punch? And I think that it's going to be, a, oh. that'll be a firework all right, moment. Next one. Now it's Sanders versus Warren on night one. How do you think that's going to play out? Well, this is, I think, the, the, the matchup that everybody wanted in the first debate, and now you're going to get it in the second debate because they are fighting for the, the top tier of the liberal wing of the party, right? But Warren yeah. is the establishment wing of the liberals, and Sanders is the anti-establishment mm-hmm. wing of the liberals. And so we'll see. Their, their, their policy positions are going to be very, very similar. It's, it really is a yes, question. Yes, it'll be of, interesting to see how respectful they are of each other. I, I imagine they're going to be, I'm going to put the over under on them touching each other, you know, just a hand on a hand or a hand on a shoulder. Oh, that's a good one. At one yeah. one point five. My guess is that Warren's going to do it to Bernie. And Bernie, I actually think that Bernie's probably going to scowl a little bit when it happens, where Warren's <laughs> going to try to, you know, cozy on up and say, well, you know, Bernie and I, we're sort of on the same page. It's just that I'm a better politician than yes. Bernie is. Yeah, I mean, I she so. can't say that, but that's, I think that's what she's going to try to get across over the course of the evening. Um, and I actually think she's going to be kind of successful. I think Sanders' only chance is if he goes at her and sort of says, you, you know, you're, you're new Coke, I'm Coke. Right, right. I, mean, I think that's it. Yeah, like, I, I've, you're, been, I've been fighting this you're battle new Coke. for long. And, I, and, and it's, <laughs> I mean, it's hard I'm to say. I'm classic Coke. 
It's hard to say, you know, how does he come back at her and say, well, you know, she's not as uh, much of a, a, it's not even a true believer. It's not as ingrained in her being as much as it is in his, because I think she does have that credibility that uh, this is, this is, this is core to her, her being as a politician. Yeah. He can just say that he got, you know, he, he was saying it first. Okay, so we've got the Liberal Titans on night one. We got the Stay Woke debate on night two. And those are the two storylines the media is obsessed with right now. Is there any other major theme that we're missing? Uh, I think it is, again, the fight for who can beat Donald Trump. I keep asking voters about, you know, what's important to them. And they keep saying electability. And that's clearly the the one reason why many voters are just behind uh, Joe Biden. But when you ask them to define electability, they can't do it. And they can't say, okay, this is the person who can take on Donald Trump. This is the person who can take on Mitch McConnell if he remains as the Senate Majority Leader. And that's a storyline that I would like to see hit a little bit more in this debate because that's that's the key question of 2020. It's also a key question is to me is who's going to get up and sort of stamp the situation with Russia? Who's mm-hmm. going to be the one who sort of, you know, Bill de Blasio with, with all of his, you know, loudness did his one of his most effective moments from the early debates was saying Russia interfered in our election, folks. Everybody. Hello. And I'm curious to see which of the candidates comes forward and does that. I think Klobuchar has a good chance of doing that. It's a decent path for her to do it. But I think that Trump and Russia and, and it's less like you're saying it's less about the, the policies right now and it, it, although the if the policies are too far left then it will become about the policies but really it's about who can capture the hearts and souls of the democratic party and get people to start a movement you know we haven't mentioned mayor pete at all um, right. but is he going to be able to step up into that space you know that's that's what i who's going to be truly a guardian of the republic all right uh so let's go to uh the next topic which is the middle tier candidates right so who needs to deliver or go home in that uh, tier Okay, well, uh, the, <laughs> I was going to say Marianne Williamson, but we're going to save her no, for she's, the lower tier candidates. Lower tier, yeah, yeah she'll, she'll be in the lower tier. Um, you know, the, Amy Klobuchar, I, I think that Klobuchar and Cory Booker have a chance, and Gillibrand, although I don't think her chances are very strong. They, they, it's about time. You need to start stepping up here. Yeah. I think, I think Cory 1%. Booker can hang around for a little longer. I don't think this is do or die for him. I think Klobuchar is close to that point. I think Beto O'Rourke is absolutely at that point uh because he's not being he's not moving he's not being taken seriously uh he does have a core group of support that likes him but it's it's vocal and but small and he hasn't made the kind the the kind of argument for why him whereas klobuchar can still make the argument well if if biden falters i'm there to to pick up that pace booker can still make the argument that uh, you know i am the the social justice candidate a work doesn't really have that as clearly defined for him and i think that's i think o'rourke i think you're dead on right with this i think o'rourke is actually the answer to this question and unfortunately for beto o'rourke what i would argue is that what he needs to fight for is political relevancy beyond 2020 at this point Mm -hmm. i think that his brand has been so damaged by these last five months of sort of playing Hamlet and then coming out and not being able to, to deliver the goods right. um, that it, it, it's really dangerous for him. And he, he's going to need to come up with a strong performance. I don't think that he's in the mix to actually be the presidential nominee, but he's got to at least step up so he has a future in the party. Okay. So now um, how about the bottom tier candidate? 
it's, is there, I'm sorry, I shouldn't laugh at that, but is there anyone there who has a chance to break through and how do they do it? And that's a fair question. You don't think Marianne Williamson has a chance to break through? No, I'm telling you, Marianne Williamson, I, I think she is a wonderful human being. She has a wonderful message to share, but she is not a strong enough presence candidate to be on that stage and bring that message through. And she's wonderful in the job that she does. She's one of the best in the world, and there's a great place for her, and that's all that we should say. I want to talk about Steve Bullock. Yeah, I think that's, if I was going to answer this question, it would be Steve Bullock, uh, because he's fresh to the uh, to the stage. So... People haven't seen a lot of him, and I think he does have a chance to break through. Montana governor wins uh, election in, wins a, in a Trump in state, a reddish state. Yeah, so uh, you know they they do also has a little bit of an attitude, Patrick. I mean, yes. he he does. He, he I kind of like that. Like you know when when he was left off the stage uh, in the in the prior debates, and and he wasn't like, oh well, you know it'll all be fine. He's like, ah, oh, it's a crock. But whatever, fine. You know, I kind of like that. Yeah. It's like you need a little bit of that push. There's something very likable about Bullock. I, we'll see. But he, he does need to present himself, and he will have an opportunity. He'll be the only fresh face on that stage, uh, the only one who has the opportunity to make that first impression. So, I, I you know, but I, I do think it's do or die for Delaney, for Inslee. I think we're going to be losing a lot of people after this. And yeah. also for Julian Castro. I think Julian Castro needs to deliver. Uh, and I would put him at the top of this lower tier. Yeah, and he needs to really deliver. He's at the top of this night. lower tier, at the bo- bottom of the middle tier. I don't think he's in a do or yeah. die situation yet, but he will be soon. But I, but I think yeah. uh, from our question is who's got the best chance to break out? It's got to be Steve Bullock. Okay, so now we're going to wrap up with our guardian of the week, someone who's looked beyond their short-term political interests to uphold the values of the republic. Patrick, does anyone fit that description? I think the choice is obvious this week. Uh, it's got to be Robert Mueller. Uh, here's a guy who, you know, basically was retired. His, his country called him back to service. And just like uh, you read from George Washington at the, at the beginning of the show, is that he felt that he owed it to his country to do this, even though knowing walking into this, the kind of partisan tribalism, the partisan rancor that we have, that he was going to become a villain or a hero, depending on which side you were on, but it was, it was very hard for him to be taken seriously. And he continues to feel that way, I think, when he, when he keeps pushing for, like, hey, folks, pay attention to Russia. Uh, and it certainly has not helped him personally. It has not helped him professionally uh, to have done this, but he served his country. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Um, but I'm going to put a caveat in there. Uh, I would have liked Robert Mueller to not have been quite as uh, honorable in his presentation more consistently over the course of the day. Uh, we, we played many of the, his best moments of, of candor, I thought, and his candor was really just in, in the tone of voice. Uh, he was so very careful. You know, General Washington always spoke about his reputation and wanted to make sure that his reputation was cared for. Uh, I believe that Robert Mueller uh, has a similar hope for himself. And I think that he did protect that. But with the leaving of Dan Coats um, from the intelligence and Robert Mueller being done with his job, uh, William Crystal came out and asked uh, for all of these former Trump administration workers to to come out, Trump leaders really, or Republican leaders or nation leaders, to come out and speak out about what it was like to work with President Trump. On that day, when that happens, the Guardian of the Week will be loud and proud. I, I think that Robert Mueller 
acquitted himself honorably without question and does deserve. But I, I think there's a, a next step to be had. Yeah, for I think you, well, you wanted something else. I think, and I think actually your caveat is exactly why I think he deserves Guardian of the Week. Because in that situation, he knew he was walking into Congress as the special counsel. And he was limited by certain rules of behavior in that context as special counsel. And he adhered to those rules. He didn't go out and do a press conference like James Comey about what he could have or didn't uh, or would have done. Um, You know, so I think even your caveat pretty much cements to me that, you know, Robert Mueller really was the guardian of the week. Fair enough. And one one last thought on my side was, I read somewhere that if James Comey, if, if Robert Mueller was in James Comey's job before the election, and James Comey was in Robert Mueller's job as the special counsel, that Hillary Clinton would be the, the president of the United States. And if it didn't work out that way, the, that impeachment hearings would have started already. <laughs> I think that's, um, that's I pretty, that, that was pretty, that's, that was pretty funny. That's not a bad, that's not true. a bad observation. Yes. Okay, so that's it for this week's edition of Guardians of the Republic. Please do subscribe to get the latest episodes, and please give us a rating in iTunes or your favorite podcast app so others can find us. Check out our website at guardians-republic.com or on Twitter at guardiansotr. And thank you for joining us. We'll be back with a new episode next week. See ya.